So I just realized this this week. Now, I, was t- I titled this series um, Redemption because we're talking about the story of redemption. I'll get to that in just a little bit. But I was always thinking that today's message would be titled A Ray of Hope. And after I came up with that title, I realized for the first time in my life that this first ever Star Wars movie was titled A New Hope. Now, not originally. I know for you super nerds out there, you know that it was originally just titled Star Wars, and later on they added the name A New Hope. And that's fine if you didn't know that. Maybe I'm the super nerd. That's okay with me. Anyway, the first Star Wars movie, and by the first I mean episode four, was called A New Hope. And then when they made a new series of movies after the first three and then, you know, the prequel three, they gave the hero a character. They gave the hero character the name of Ray. And I just put it together now, a ray of hope. Anyway, that's my nerdness for you. I just thought you needed to hear that a little bit. But the point that we're going to be digging into today is to get to chapter two of the book of Ruth. Now, we started this book last week because, listen, this has been a trying year for just about everybody. 2020, not just in the United States with its political upheaval and racial upheaval, but globally, the pandemic has affected people all over the place. Politically, there are assassinations and all kinds of things going on around the world. We are in a dark time, it feels like. 2020 to many of us feels like it's this dark place. And I'm so excited that Ruth is a book of encouragement. That's why we're digging into it. Partially because we just finished the book of Judges, which we really need some refreshment after the book of Judges. But partially because the book of Ruth is one of the most encouraging books in the Bible. Last week I told you that the book of Ruth was all about redemption. And so I want to revise our definition of redemption from last week to add one word to it. So redemption, here's our definition for this week. Redemption is when God takes something lost, broken, or threatened and brings it back to wholeness. I missed that concept last week, and it actually shows up this week in our story. Because something that's lost or broken is something that definitely needs to get some fixing. But something that's threatened also cannot be whole. A lot of us in 2020 haven't felt lost necessarily. We haven't felt broken necessarily, but a lot of us have felt threatened. And it's when you feel threatened that normal life doesn't continue like it was before. Because in the midst of the threat, there are all kinds of questions that you don't have answers for. And redemption includes those who are threatened. So what I want to do is give you a quick little review of what we learned last week. Uh, Naomi is the primary character in the book, even though the book is named Ruth. Uh, The book of Ruth is named after Ruth, the secondary character. You might think she's the primary character, but Naomi really is more what the story is about. Because at the beginning of the book, we learn that during the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land of Israel. And so a man from a clan of Elimelech took his family to another country, the country of Moab. Naomi was his wife and he had two sons. While they were in Moab, the man died. And so now Naomi is a widow. Then after that, the two sons married Moabite women, which for an Israelite was something they shouldn't do. Then those two guys died. So it was Naomi and her, new, her, her two daughters-in-law who were foreigners to her. 
And you might think that's a bad enough story, but from her perspective, it actually gets worse. Because you see, at the end of the book of Ruth, chapter 1, we learn that God had begun to restore the the favor, his favor to the people of Israel. He began to restore his blessings to the people of Israel. And so the barley harvest was growing back again. And it was about ready to be harvested. And Naomi heard that the people back in Israel were blessed. And you might think that's a bright shining point of light in her life. But in fact, she doesn't, doesn't see it that way. She sees it as God is blessing other people, but God isn't blessing me. So she decides to go back to her homeland and maybe she'll receive some of those blessings from God. I don't know if she's very hopeful or not. But on her way, Ruth says she's coming along with her. Naomi says no to the other daughter. Go home, be with your family. She says to Ruth, go home, be with your family. I don't have any more sons you can marry. But Ruth says, no, I'm going to stick with you no matter what. And you might think that's a bright shining point of light in Naomi's life. But Naomi doesn't see it that way. Naomi sees it as another person she's responsible for, another mouth she has to feed, a foreigner that she now has tagging along with her going back to the land of Israel. And maybe, this is just speculation, but maybe Naomi thinks that the reason God is not blessing her family is because she moved to Moab and because her sons married Moabite women. And therefore, Ruth, a Moabite woman, would be a symbol of the reason why God isn't blessing Naomi's family. I don't know. That's speculation, but it's the kind of thing that they would have been thinking about back then. In fact, the the point of Ruth being a foreigner shows up a number of times today in the passage, as you'll see. How do I know Naomi doesn't see these as points of light? Well, it's because of the end of chapter 1 when she says this. She says, Don't call me Naomi to all of her friends who came out to welcome her home. She says, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Naomi means refreshed and Mara means bitter. The Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She's coming back to the land of Israel as the barley harvest is beginning. Point of light. She's coming back with Ruth, a young woman who can be a companion to her so she's not alone. Point of light. But Naomi doesn't see any of those things as light in her life. She is depressed. She is broken down. She is lost. And she is feeling threatened. And most of all, she feels that the threat is coming from God himself. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. The Almighty has made my life very bitter. The Lord has brought me back empty. You see, for Naomi, she is living in a situation where she believes God is against her. That's a hard place to be when you believe God is against you. Well, I want to remind you of what we learned last week. Those two points of light that she couldn't see, we definitely can And there are points of light that are still true today for every follower of Jesus, still true today for everyone who would be in God's family. And they are these things. We are not alone and God is up to something good. The end of chapter one tells us that. Naomi has Ruth with her and the barley harvest is beginning. Two points of light. Today in chapter two, 
we begin to see these two points of light come together, brighten, and shine a light to a third point of light that opens up into a ray of hope. So join me as we open up chapter 2. Here we go. It says, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now, of course, at the very beginning of this story, at the very beginning of this chapter, you are intended to ask the question, like any North American person would, why do I have to learn another biblical name? Why do I care about this guy Elimelech? Why do I care about this guy Boaz? Well, what you're going to find out is the writer of this book, the narrator of this story, wants you to know over and over and over again that there's a man named Boaz who's from the clan of Elimelech. The same family as Naomi. Remember, Naomi was also of that family. And so we are supposed to know that this relative on her husband's side is a man of standing. His name is Boaz. Just hold on to that curiosity and wonder as we continue to go. It says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. This is a standard thing that would happen in the ancient Near East. It was called gleaning. And what it was is that since you had to harvest by hand, very frequently, you could not harvest 100% of the field. And so you would send out all your harvesters into your field, and they would do whatever they could to gather up all of the grain that they could. But inevitably, some would fall to the ground. God had made it a rule that if you drop grain on the ground, you cannot pick it up. God had made a rule that said, if you drop grain, you have to leave it there, and then other people can come into the field and glean it. They can gather it up themselves after the harvesters. And so she says, let me go walk behind those harvesters. Now see, the point of fact, the harvesters might feel really angry about this. Because it's one thing to drop grain and be required by law to leave it there. It's another thing to have someone else watch as you are harvesting. Because, see, I imagine a lot of people would drop grain and be like, okay, this one I'll just pick up. But she's right behind them. And she says, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. As a Moabite woman, she's afraid. The Israelites might not like her there. And so she's concerned. But this is the key thing. It's her idea. Ruth says, Naomi, I'm going to do something to improve our situation. Let me go get some grain. Says Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Again, the writer is like, I really need you to know this guy is related to them. I really need you to know that. Boaz, it's his field. He's rich enough to own a field, and he belongs to the clan of Elimelech. It says, just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. This is a good insight into the person of Boaz. He owns a field. He's a man of standing. He comes to his field, and the first thing he says to his harvesters is not, you guys getting it all? It's not, you guys working hard? 
It's not, you guys need to go farther because the sun is setting. It's none of those things about the job. Instead, he says, the Lord be with you. Because see, Boaz knows if God is with them, they're going to do exactly the job they're supposed to do in exactly the amount of time they're supposed to do it. The Lord be with you. It's good for him if the Lord is with them, but it's also good for them. And Boaz says, more than anything, I want you to be people who acknowledge the presence of God with you. And the harvesters respond in kind when they say, the Lord bless you. How many times do you find an employee say to the employer, man, I just really hope God blesses you. That's what they're saying. They like this guy. Boaz is a good man. Let's keep going. See what happens next. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. In other words, the overseer is saying to Boaz, this woman is polite. She doesn't just show up and glean. She asked us for permission. Keep going. It says, she came into the oops sorry she came into the field and has remained here from morning till now except for a short rest in the shelter and here the overseer is telling us she's not just polite she's also a person who is hard working and diligent she's been in the fields the whole day except for a short rest in the shelter so boaz said to ruth my daughter listen to me don't go and glean in another's field, in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Something about Boaz says, I want to keep Ruth here. Stay here and work with the women who work for me. Now, Boaz hasn't hired gleaners. He's only allowed to hire harvesters. So these women are doing other jobs, but he wants Ruth to feel comfortable that she's not the only woman around. And so he says, stay here with these women. They will guard you. They will protect you. But beyond that, he also says this, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. He says to Ruth, you're allowed to drink from the harvesting jars. That's an amazing amount of grace he's giving to her. Keep going. It says, At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And here again you see two things. One, you see that she's afraid. She's a foreigner. She doesn't deserve anything. Boaz is a man of grace. He's not responsible for giving her all these blessings. He's just showing her grace. And she's like, why are you so kind to me? Why have I found such favor in your eyes? I'm a foreigner. You can hear her fear. But on the other hand, you can also see her humility, where she says, I don't deserve this favor. Look what Boaz says to her. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. I want to pause there for just a moment. Boaz does something interesting here. You see, Ruth is in a dark place. Her husband's dead. Her uh, mother-in-law, her father-in-law is dead. Her mother-in-law is depressed and bitter. Ruth is in a very dark place. They've got no income, so this gleaning thing is all she's got. And she views herself as a foreigner. She's just afraid. But in that dark place, she has chosen to do something good. 
I'm going to try to bring some light to this situation. And Boaz noticed it. You know, this year, I imagine you've faced circumstances similar to Ruth, where you feel confused. You feel like the the world around you is dark. You're not exactly sure how to deal with things. And I imagine in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that confusion, in the midst of those feelings, I imagine there's a part of you that says, I need to be a person to shine a light into this dark world. But there's another part of you that says, what's the point? What's the point? It's all going to fail anyway. What's the point? It's all darkness anyway. What's the point? No one's going to pay attention. See, part of the problem with being a light in the midst of a dark place is that some people will get it and accuse you of doing it wrong. They will see the light you're trying to shine and they will accuse you of doing it wrong. Some people will see the light you're trying to shine and they will not understand it. And so then they will attack you for it. And some people are just so in love with the darkness that they can't fathom someone else is going to try to do the opposite in their world. And they attack you for that. It's very difficult to be a person shining a light in a dark place. But Boaz noticed. Boaz came up to Ruth and he noticed what she had been doing for Naomi. And he blessed her. He said, you deserve better than what you're getting. He says these words to her. It's amazing. He says, may the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. An arrogant man would have said, may you be richly rewarded by me. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge, in whose field you have chosen to be, with whose workers you are allowed to stay. You see, Boaz is the one who's showing her grace. But do you see? He recognizes that she has come to Israel because whether she knows it or not, she is putting her life in the hands of God himself. And she's saying, God, I'm going to take shelter, refuge in you. Boaz says, that's where you're supposed to be. Boaz says, I might be doing some good things for you, but guess what? It is God who is taking care of you. I love the fact that Ruth, without even knowing this God that she has come to be in the midst of, she has chosen to come to Israel because she knows something about this God. And Boaz notices that this God is the one that she needs to be rewarded from. And so he issues a blessing. What I want to do is I want to give you just a couple blanks to fill in here. Because when you're facing a time of darkness, there's a lesson to be learned from Ruth and Boaz. First of all, God sees you. You might be worried about people not noticing the good you're trying to do. The world is dark and you're not sure if, you know what, you're not sure if the, if the world can handle the light you're trying to bring into it. But guess what? God sees you. If no one else sees you, God sees you. Secondly, you can trust him. You can trust him. God is actually working right now to do something good. But there's a third thing. See, we learned these first two lessons really from last week. But there's a third thing you learned today from Boaz. You can help someone else trust him. 
The amazing thing about the story of Boaz is that he's the one blessing her, but he gives God credit. He's the one blessing Ruth, but he gives God credit. He says, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord under whose wings you have taken refuge. It's an amazing little situation where Boaz shines his light into Ruth's life by helping her realize who she is really trusting. I just love that. Well, let's keep going. Ruth says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. She says, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Again, she's just being humble. At the mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. This is what they did as sort of their harvest treat. They would roast grain. They would get it out of the fire. They would rub it in their hands. The husks would fall off and then they would eat the grain. And it was sort of like a treat for the harvesters because at that moment in time, it's the freshest possible grain and it's just really good. Anyway, Boaz is giving her all that she wants. Then as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. See, the way is they were gathering the grain. She was coming behind them, but then the women would take the grain and before it was bundled up, the men would take the grain and they'd put it in piles. The women would come by and they would bundle it together into these sheaves. And the guy says, go ahead and allow her to gather from the grain that has fallen to the ground right next to the sheaves too. Ordinarily, you wouldn't do that because you'd be worried they might be stealing from the actual sheaves. But they, Boaz says, no, let her go anywhere there's grain on the ground. But beyond that, he says, even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. In other words, I want you to drop a bunch on the ground. This is Boaz. Speaking a blessing, but then being the blessing. Keep going. It says, So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. An ephah is around 20 weeks worth of food. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough, her leftovers from the day. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. I'm going to pause there for a moment to talk about this word, guardian redeemers. In Hebrew, it's a very simple word. It's just the word goel. G-O-E-L, goel. But it means something very important. You see, a guardian redeemer, I'm going to give you a definition here. A guardian redeemer is someone who will make a personal sacrifice to preserve the family line and wealth of a relative. This is the way it works. So if you are a guy and you have a brother and your brother marries a woman but your brother dies, then it's your job to take that woman as a wife. 
She doesn't have to be your only wife because back then polygamy was something that was allowed in certain circumstances. And this is one of those cases. You were allowed, in fact, you were supposed to take that woman as a wife, have a child with her, and then that child would carry the name of your brother, not you. That child would inherit your brother's estate, not yours. And what you needed to do is you had to do something to make sure that your brother's family line continued to make sure that even though that family line was threatened and even though that family inheritance was threatened, that you would step in and do something about it. Now, we know God made this rule. What we don't know is if it was ever done outside of the book of Ruth. We know it was something that was important to be done. But there's a lot of times in the Old Testament where someone got close to doing it and didn't actually do it. A guardian redeemer is someone who is a close relative. But see, here's the danger. And this is why there's a doubt about whether or not Boaz would step up into this responsibility. The danger is that if Boaz marries Ruth, then he does not... Uh, and he has a child with Ruth, then legally, Ruth's child will inherit all of the, br- the other guy's fortune, her former husband's fortune, whatever land they might have had. And we know, of course, that they're pretty poor. And so as a result, since they're pretty poor, they actually are threatening to Boaz. Because see, if Boaz has a child with this woman, that child needs an inheritance from his brother, but his brother was poor. So that means Boaz's own children, if he had any, Boaz's own inheritance could be threatened. It's just possible that Boaz's inheritance, his wealth, will get transferred in legal status to this other family. That's why it's a danger. Because a person who steps into this guardian-redeemer role is taking their own wealth, their own family line, and they're putting it all at risk so that they could perhaps rescue a relative. It's not as simple as you might think on the surface. And as we'll find out next week in our final week in this series, it requires some legal hoops to jump through. But I want to finish. Finish the chapter with this. It says, Then Ruth the Moabite said, Remember, she's still talking to Naomi. He even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. In this story, there are three characters. There's Naomi, there's Ruth, and there's Boaz. And there's a lesson we can learn from each one of them. I want to start with Ruth. There are a couple verses that we've looked at that show you a little bit about who Ruth is and what she's all about. But I want to take you to this one, and it's the review that Ruth got from the overseer at Boaz's field. The overseer replied, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. The overseer is talking about her diligence. 
And then also we see this verse where she says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. You see her humility. Here's the thing. Ruth doesn't know the bigger story. She doesn't know Boaz is her relative. She doesn't know that field belongs to a rich man. She doesn't know anything of the guardian redeemer tradition in Israel. I mean, it's possible she does, but I don't think she does. And so Ruth is in this dark place where she doesn't know anything. And yet, she says, I have the ability to pick up grain. That will bring some light into this world. I think I will do it. I can pick up some grain so that Naomi can be provided for. And so she does it. But not just doing it. She is overly polite. She is overly diligent. And she is overly humble when she is doing it. Her character is impeccable. And what you get is you get a picture of a person who sees the brokenness in the world around her and tries to make it just a little less broken. Huh. You might might even say that is an illustration of the word redemption. She sees the brokenness in the world around her and she's trying to make it a little less broken. Let me show you some verses about Boaz. We already looked at him, of course, but I want to just highlight these for you. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with people you did not know before. He knows her story. But notice nothing in this story is spiritual. Nothing in this story is godly. Nothing in the story that he's heard has anything to do with her devotion to Yahweh, the God of Israel. He just knows the story of what she's done, but he reads into it, and he reads into it because he himself is a godly man. He says, may the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He sees that she is a woman who, because she has come back to Israel, she is taking refuge under the wings of God. Boaz sees her as a person who is resting in God. But here's the kicker. He speaks this word of blessing to her, but then he actually does it. He says, as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves, don't reprimand her, even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Boaz blessed her with words and then he became the blessing with actions. Here's the amazing thing. Boaz is a guy who isn't satisfied with just saying, may God bless you. He's a guy who actually is the blessing. He sees a world of darkness around him. Not his own darkness, someone else's darkness. He sees Naomi's darkness. He sees Ruth's darkness. He sees their brokenness. And he decides, I'm going to step in to this little place of brokenness and make it a little less broken. You might even call it an act of redemption. For a person to step in to a place of brokenness and make it a little less broken. I think there's a lesson for all of us. It's really, really simple, but it's really, really important. Here it is. Redeem what you can. 
I know you're looking at this world. You're looking at maybe this last week, Thanksgiving, you really wanted to get together with family, but you couldn't. Maybe there's a loved one that you have lost, and that knowledge of that loss is still burning a hole in your soul. And you're fearful about some things. You're worried about finances, concerned about COVID or whatever. And I just want to let you know, you have the power to do something. So redeem what you can. Maybe like Ruth, all you can do is use your hands to accomplish something that helps the person you're with. Maybe like Boaz, the best you can do is to use your resources to enter into someone else's darkness and make it a little less dark. Enter into someone else's brokenness and make it a little less broken. But you have the power to be a redeemer. You don't have to be a relative in this situation. You have the power to be a redeemer. You have the power to do something. So do what you can. Redeem what you can. But more than that, I want to take you to something in Naomi that for the first time in this book, we see the ray of light actually touch Naomi's heart. Check this out. Naomi says, the Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. The question is, who is the him? The Lord bless him. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Clearly, she's talking about Boaz. But there's another him you have to understand. What about this one? He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Who is that he? I think because of the way she says it, you have to conclude that he is talking about the Lord. Because she says something very interesting. She says he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. You see, Boaz has shown kindness to the living. But the only one who's shown kindness to the dead is the Lord. Because, see, here's the thing. Boaz hasn't done any guardian redeemer thing yet. So he has not done anything for the dead relatives. The only thing Boaz has done at this moment is for the living women. But Naomi sees the ray of hope. Naomi sees that God is at work. Naomi sees that God is the one who put Boaz into their life because Boaz can do something for the dead relatives. But because Boaz can and hasn't yet, the person who is doing the good thing for the dead relatives is the God who brought them to Boaz. You see, Naomi here for the first time in the story is recognizing that God is at work. She's recognizing that God is the one who has not stopped. God is still doing things. He is still working. He hasn't given up on them. His hand is not against them. He has not been the cause of all of her bitterness. He is at work. He has not stopped showing kindness. And so even though Naomi's life hasn't completely flipped around, right now she is beginning to get a ray of hope. And I want you to experience the same thing. I want to encourage you, like Naomi, to turn your eyes towards God and his kindness. Here in the midst of whatever darkness you're facing. One, redeem what you can. But two, turn your eyes to the kindness of God. Turn your eyes towards God and his kindness. 
You might have things that you're still worried about. You might have pains that you're still grieving over. You might have concerns. All kinds of things might still be going on in your life. Naomi is still poor. Naomi does not really have her husband back at all. He's dead. Naomi doesn't have her sons back. They're dead. But she has a ray of hope. And in that ray of hope, she is allowing her eyes to go towards God and to see his kindness. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Turn your eyes towards God and his kindness. I'll leave you with this. The words of Boaz, may the Lord repay you. But now the you isn't Ruth. I'm reading these words for you, for us. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You could be the Boaz who's making that blessing come true for someone else. But at the very least, I want to ask you to be the Ruth and the Naomi who recognize that your refuge is under God's wings. Your refuge is under God's wings. So yes, redeem what you can, but turn your eyes towards God and his kindness. I want to encourage you to live that refreshing kind of way this week. I want to encourage you to be people who recognize that God is still at work even when we don't see it. God is still at work even when we don't feel it. And then we just need to turn our eyes towards him and that ray of light. Let me pray for you. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you. God loves you. And his plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.